Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco, online at alansamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast is a production of Baylor Athletics. Now, here are your hosts, Brooke Bednars and the voice of the Bears, John Morris. Hi, everybody. Welcome into this week's Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. We're glad you're with us. John Morris, Brooke Bednar's with us, and glad to have Walter Abercrombie with us, the head of the B Association, Baylor Associate AD, former Baylor standout, uh, professional football player. Well, I could go the on and on. on. Oh, and yeah. On. <laughs> I could absolutely go on and on. Walter, we appreciate you being with us on this week's Sikkim Podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. It really yeah. is. This will be fun. A lot of, lot of ground to cover and you're the perfect man to do that. Hey, I want to remind our listeners, make sure you subscribe to the Sikkim Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Catch us every week for a new Sikkim Podcast. Uh, great to have you with us, and how are things? Boy, it, it, that's, a, that's the opening question, I think, for everybody in what we're going through, but how are things uh, for you and your family? Well, we're healthy, and so Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. We have managed to um, to um, distance ourselves socially and and uh, maintain that. And um, you know, I I, I think uh, you know I've, I've caught up on all of my phone calls. I think <laughs> right. And um, and and may and may have been able to do some some work around the house that uh, Kim has been after me uh, to do. But anyway, I, <laughs> I I can't I can't complain even in a time where there's so much, there's so many problems going on right now. You know, you got the pandemic, you have the social unrest. Um, there seems to be division all over the, all over the place, but even, uh, in the midst of all of this negativity, you know, we've been able to come together as a family and have a, and have, you know, have a time to grow together, you know, get to know one another. My daughter, Peyton, who I rarely get a chance to just spend time with, you know, she and I, have done yard work together. Mm. We've gone, we've built things together. We've, we've, uh, we've, we go shopping together, you know, in, in the way that we can shop. And so it's allowed me to time. She's 12 years old mm-hmm. and it's allowed me to spend some really quality time with her. And so for that, uh, you know, I find that bit of sun sunlight or sunshine in the midst of all the problems that we're facing as a country. Boy, that's terrific. Uh, silver lining in all of this. And I hope a lot of people can can tell that same type story. But it really is uh, a, a unique time, isn't it, you know, for you and, and all of us to have this much time at home with our families. And it's sort of up, up to us to use it wisely. It is. And uh, in every situation, um, you know, I think about the problems that we're facing. There are people who are struggling uh, with even greater problems. And so, um, you know, my my brother who I, I love to death, he was, he was, he was a hot mess, but he sometimes would come and have some of the, would say some of the most profound things, uh, Ronald, my, my oldest brother. And, uh, 
you know, whenever things are really bad, he'd say, Walter, things are, things are, things could always be, you know, it would be like, it's not as bad as it seems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when things were really good, when I felt pretty, pretty good about myself, he'd say, Walter, things are not as good as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Keep you humbled. Like, yeah. a, like yeah. the good older brother. <laughs> Just right down, you know, in the middle. But, um, but anyway, he, he was uh, that type of person. So I can see where there are people who are struggling with much greater problems than we have. If you look globally and then uh, at the same time, you know, I can, I can, also, I can also see some of the, some of the problems that we real problems that we're dealing with. They're not the worst problems in the world, but they are problems that we're, we're going to have to try to navigate through. Well, along those lines, uh, there are issues with uh, coronavirus. There are issues of social unrest, uh, racial equality. Those issues are going on now also. Uh, Be interested in your thoughts on what kind of the state of our country right now. You know, that's a a real tough question because um, I am a believer in the American dream. You know, I live the American dream. and I believe that this country has tremendous potential and a great future. Now, you say that at a, as a, at a time when people are divided. You know, there's there's problems. There's, there's, there's people being killed in broad daylight on television by people who are supposed to be helping us. But, um, but you know, <clears throat> these problems exist. They've existed for a long time. As I said uh, before, uh, it, you know, if you go back and look, every situation the American has gone through, these horrible situations periodically mm-hmm. throughout our time, I think the country has come out of it stronger. I think people have come out of it stronger. You know, I went, I'm old enough to have lived through the 1960s, and I remember Martin Luther King and his efforts to, uh, to, uh, to win civil rights laws. <clears throat> to affect minorities. And uh, I just recall uh, at that time, you know, peaceful protests that were going on. And I remember there were other, other African-Americans at the time who were angry, who didn't believe that the peaceful way was the right way. Hmm. And so there were cars being burned. There were buildings, they were looting. There was, there was things going on that really took away from the true message of what Martin Luther King was after. And so I think the same is true now. Here we are. There's a message out there that we need to come together as a country. But it's that message is being diluted or it's being uh, um, the focus is being taken off of that message uh, by those who mean evil and harm to others. And so and and, but it's their way of expressing uh, their their frustration, their anger. A lot of them are young people who are doing this. And but it's been done before. Anytime you're going to have social unrest like this, you're going to have young people who are who are going to express themselves in a way that isn't always a good way. So we've got to navigate through this thing, man. Now there's a there's a, a Nigerian uh, proverb that goes like this: When a child doesn't feel the warmth from the village, he will burn the village to feel the warmth from the fire. Wow! And so I believe that's what's happening: is we there are people out there who feel disenfranchised who don't feel like they're getting a fair shake. Plus when you put that on top of uh, the pandemic on top of yep. it, you know, folks are out of, out of work, you know, they don't have money. And so the, some of these expressions are just expressions of, Hey, pay attention. 
I want to, I want to be a part of this whole system. And, and so we've got to figure out a way to come together as a country. We've, we've got a lot of differences. Uh, I think with our president, um, you know, he, he, he's become somewhat, somewhat of a lightning rod, you know, people love him, people hate him. And so what we have to figure out, man, is how can we come together as a country, whoever's in charge, we've got to come together as a country. And I think we can, we can do it. As I said, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the greatness of this country and the great potential of this country. Um, so I, I think that's a challenge in front of us, John, and I didn't mean to go down the road. Uh, no, it's very road. well said. It's it very really well is. said. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's, uh, that's our real challenge. And for those of us who love each other and love this country and believe it is uh, one nation under God, I think, I think we, we have to step up and be the ones to make change happen. Yeah. And, and so it's, it, it's going to happen. It's just, it's frustrating while we're going through it. Yeah. Very well said. With God at the center also mm-hmm. of, uh, of every decision, he certainly should be. And, and, and do you agree with me that uh, the sports can be a unifying uh, factor for a lot of people, a unifying place where, you know, it doesn't matter. You're lining up as a running back. You don't care what color those guys are in they're front of you. Team, yeah. Right. They're your team. And sports can be and has been in the past a real unifying uh, entity. You're exactly right. Throughout history, you know, if you look at the really horrible times, you know, sports has provided that break from uh, from the, the problems of our world. And at the same time, you're having these examples of people from all different backgrounds with all different skills and abilities coming together for a common purpose and playing a game that that is entertainment to the public. But, you know, for those of us who are athletes, you know, we may have come from different backgrounds, but but once you're on a football team and you can see firsthand that that guy's not the same color as me, we didn't come from the same community, but he's on the offensive line. And I depend on him to do his job. He's depending on me <laughs> right. to do my mm-hmm. job. And we work together for a common purpose. And that's been a great lesson for me. And I think sports has provided uh, that common ground, as you said, for a lot of young people. And uh, all the great benefits that are the result from that, <clears throat> uh, providing a break for people, entertainment, allowing people to cheer for one team, you know, uh, it's just it's just great. And I'm glad we live in a country where we can express it in that way. Here for you, your family, and our community, Alan Samuels is open for business. Shop safely in our showroom. Our service and parts departments are open. There's free pickup and delivery for all service work, all safely sanitized when returned. We'll even deliver test drive vehicles to your home or office. Shop and buy totally online at alansamuelsdcj.com. We're ready to help. Always your friend in the car business. Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Bentwood Realty is a full-service real estate firm with more than 70 high-achieving agents who desire to make a positive impact in their local communities. Their agents stay actively involved in all buying, selling, and investing real estate transactions to make sure their clients receive the utmost level of service. Established in 2011 by brokers Kim Galvan and Rick Hines, both proud Baylor alumni, call Bentwood Realty today, 254-300-4800. They're at 601 Lake Air Drive in Waco and BentwoodRealty.com. Now, back to the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. We mentioned football, but I also think it's a timely thing to mention the 
launch. We just put yeah. astronauts into space and it was all American across the board. Um, but also really neat because it was everyone pulling together from people right here at SpaceX and McGregor across the country. And then when you were watching the live streams, people of all different backgrounds were taking part in making that history. And I know you said you have been spending time with your family at home. And I know that that's something that, you know, that brought my family together, that brought a lot of other families to watch something that was so beyond us. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty right. neat as well. Yeah. Yeah. One of those unifying things mm -hmm. again, as Americans, we could all, Hey, we're all on the same team. Yeah, We might not have sports, but yeah. that's, we got to root for something for once. That's a good point. In a while. So you came to Baylor and uh, you came from Waco. You're right here in Waco, University High School, and uh, come to Wake, come to Baylor. And what was that like? Some of the guys, like you said, a melding of guys from all over the state, all over the country, all of a sudden are here. Uh, what do you remember about that, you know, starting out as a freshman at Baylor? <laughs> well, the first thing that comes to mind is um, – when they were recruiting me, for whatever reason, they never told me about a guy named Greg Hawthorne <laughs> or a guy named Frank Pollard. Didn't come up, huh? That didn't come up. <laughs> and so um, I got here uh, my freshman year in 1978, and the first practice, I saw the first team go, and I saw Greg Hawthorne run, and I said, I'll never get on the field. I will never touch the field. Um, Greg Hawthorne was one of the great players, uh, was a first-round draft pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh and so he was a senior at my freshman year. And so big running back, fast, had great hands. He had the swivel hips. And so I just figured, you know, and then behind him was a second team running back who was a guy named Frank Pollard, who was also a draft pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> and I had to play behind those guys. And um, but <laughs> so anyway, it, it was it was cool to, to get to see uh, so much talent here my freshman year. And it made me, I think, uh, sort of, you know, lift up my game um, because of, of all the talent that was here, particularly at the running back position. And so, um, John, you remember, I mean, 1978, for whatever reason, we didn't have a great season, mm -hmm. but we had a lot of talent on that mm -hmm. football team mm -hmm. uh, across the board on defense. Often you had Mike Singletary at linebacker on the defense. Um, you had, you know, Gary Don Johnson, two-time All-American on the defensive line. You had Tony Green in the back, defensive backfield. I mean, you had Radar Holt. I mean, you, you had a lot of guys, the pro athletes. You yeah. had Dennis Gentry here, you know, and like I said, the other two running backs. And so it was a lot of talent. But for whatever reason, we, you know, we had a real tough schedule that year. As right. you remember, we oh, started yeah. off against uh, Kentucky, Georgia, and Ohio State for our first three games. And so that was stiff competition. And, uh, but we just didn't finish very strong. I think we had – four or five wins that year. Um, maybe less than that. <laughs> it was, I'll double check. <laughs> I think yeah. it was, well, you beat Texas to end the year. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was a three and eight season. Three and eight seats. Yes. Okay. Sorry to watch the five <laughs> wins there. <laughs> right. <That's laughs> it was right. three and eight. Yeah, Darn. <laughs> Brooke, Almost was, got away with that. <laughs> it was a tough schedule though. It but really to your was. point, I think uh, just seeing people from different uh, cities and, and environments and, um, and being able to to grow together was 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 something that I'll always remember, and um, it happened right here at Bailey University. And uh, uh, being grown up in a Waco boy, and just being having such a low ceiling, you know. I mean, Waco was my ceiling, you know. And but but being around guys from the bigger cities, and talking to them, getting to know them, and learning how they lived, and 
and just coming together with all of our differences was a, was a tremendous experience for me. Well, it's neat. Even our guys right now, they they posting about the melting pot that is still the Baylor locker room yeah. and all the things that they're learning from their teammates and now roommates and things like that. It still goes on. Uh, the learning goes on. It never stops. Even at 60 years old, I'm still learning. <laughs> it was a tough schedule that year, plus injuries on top of that, which really sort of thrust you onto the field uh, may, maybe earlier than you should have, but you responded really well. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite stories, that A&M game in 78. Brooke uh, Walter was a freshman, didn't expect to play all year. Injuries really ravaged the, the tailback position. And Walter, uh, they went down to College Station to play a game. And was it on the bus ride down? Not before, right? Not before that, but on the bus ride to College Station, Coach Staff tells Walter that he's starting that day Ooh. against the Aggies. What yeah. what went on in your mind? <laughs> you get told that on the bus ride. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm glad he told me then because had I had he told me the night before, I probably would have thought about it too much <laughs> yeah. and you know psyched myself out or something. But but just telling me, uh, you know, on the day of the game, it, it was just I didn't have enough time to think about it. Uh, to where it began to sink in and, and, and start having negative effects. So I just, they put me in the game and um, I just, I just ran. It was easy. It was like, it was like, um, you know, a real tough situation for me was being a running back at university high school when I was bigger than my offensive lineman. <laughs> that was a tough situation. But when I got to Baylor, uh, we had big offensive linemen. Those guys were good and knocking folks out of the way. And I never experienced that before, so it was it was kind of easy, kind of nice. Yeah. Hey, look at this nice big gap right. I can run through. Right, <laughs> but it was good. It was good, and we 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 beat uh, that freshman year. We beat A and M. Uh, we also beat Texas. So the two big big schools that uh, never recruited me. You know, they they didn't recruit me, and so I was really excited about having the opportunity to beat them. How would you say getting not thrown into that situation, but finding out day of the game, getting put in that game? And, you know, you said it was easy, but how do you think that that teed you up for the rest of your college career here at Baylor after, you know, your original thoughts being like, I don't think I'm ever going to get on that field. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I got a chance to play because Greg Hawthorne, the starter, um, he broke his hip a couple of weeks before. And so that moved Frank Pollard into the starting position. Uh, well, during the A&M game, Frank broke his, uh, he broke his jaw. And so now all of a sudden, you know, we're down two starters, you know, uh, on offense. And I'm, I'm third or fourth team. You know, I, I never really thought I'd play. But, but I felt like I, I could contribute. I always had that confidence that if given the opportunity to play, you know, and I think coach just said, hey, you know, you're confident. You, you can do it. Let's go show me. And so we, we go into the game and, and, you know, things things happened. And I'm extremely blessed uh, because I got a chance to play uh, early. And so we, we were in a running type of offense. So I piled up yards, you know, my freshman year. And then I was able to become the leading rusher here. Um, I don't know if that would be the case now because, um, you know, they throw the ball around so much, but, but I got a chance to play and I stayed injury free, uh, during my four years here. And so I, I was very blessed, blessed to play with some outstanding guys. You know, I'm still friends with a lot of those guys. You know, I think about the lineman talent, like, you know, Mark Addicts, who's gone on to become a great, uh, orthopedic surgeon. Um, 
you know, Buzzy Nelson, who who was a, our offensive center, was uh, was really not real big, but he's a scrappy guy. And I'm telling you today, if those guys had been with me in Pittsburgh, and I know we had some great linemen in Pittsburgh, <laughs> I feel like they would have been just as good as, as, as that great offensive line with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He buried the lead here. He did tell you everything. Uh, in that A&M game, 207 yards rushing. Baylor school record that stood for 30-plus years in his first game in a Baylor uniform on the road and a 24-6 win over A&M. And I'll say this, before Walter gets the chance to, uh, you never lost to A&M. Never lost to A&M. That's right, during your time here. Right. Yeah. So the uh, the – Results will back that up. <laughs> Great career, 1980 Southwest Conference Championship season. Go back to 79, uh, the injury to Kyle Woods. Uh, it was in a preseason practice the week before the first game of the oh 79 my. season. Uh, he ended up being paralyzed for life after that injury. But you guys, it really galvanized you guys, uh, your your teammates, uh, didn't it? And, and Kyle was a member of the team even after the injury and really um, gave you guys a common – common goal to do to take care of him and always remember Kyle you're right uh, you described that perfectly um, Kyle was a was was a came in with me we were in the same class together and so spring I mean so, I'm sorry the uh, training camp during the 1979 football season uh, he was started he was uh, positioned to be a starter on defense he was a very talented guy from Dallas um, from Dallas and and um, had a personality just lit up the room anytime he walked into the room. And so he was one of those guys who was going to be one of our leaders on the team, obviously, even as a young person, mm-hmm. a younger player, you could see that in him. And then that tragic day uh, when uh, he hit a, a defender in practice and broke his spine, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we all just, it just rocked us. It, I mean, uh, it just rocked us because he was going to be one of the leaders and why would this happen to Kyle, you know, was, was the question. And, and, and I mean to tell you, it was a low point that all of us went through. We, we, all of us who knew him and had grown to love him and uh, to, to, to experience that, not only did it question, you know, well, uh, you know, what can, what's our season going to look like? We also had deeper questions like, man, this guy, it will never walk again. You know, he, you know, what does that really mean? And as an 18 or 19 year old young person, not really knowing how to digest that kind of energy, you see it happening uh, to someone who's very close to you. So we weren't sure how we were going to get through it. And and what, what Kyle did and the kind of person he was, he never, um, he never let on mm-hmm. that this was affected him in any way. I mean, he was just rock solid. He was not only rock solid in the way he he felt inside himself, but the way he motivated us. You know, you think about that. I mean, this guy was a real, genuine motivator. And I will never forget the story that he told us in the Peach Bowl right before the game. John, I can't remember if you were there, but you've heard the story. Mm-hmm. When he walked, they brought him to the game, and we still didn't know. We hadn't seen him in a while. And they brought him to the game and he comes in the locker room and he tells his story about taking a, I think he was, uh, take a, take a setback and turn it into a comeback. And this is before the game. We're get, we're all huddled in the locker room and he's in his wheelchair and he says, guys, I'm not going to let this down. I'm not going to let 
let this injury get me down. I'm going to take this setback and turn it into a comeback. And man, we go out and we beat Clemson like they stole something. It was a tough game, but it was that motivation from Colin, seeing him sort of lift himself out of that chair and, and with the hope and determination that he would walk again. Boy, I, I get emotional when I think about it just because well, I don't know if I could, could have done that. If, if it were me, I'm not sure I would have been focused on trying to get my teammates to not let this get them down. But what an outstanding individual he was. And, of course, you know, he went on um, uh, to be a tremendous inspiration for the rest of our time there at Baylor. And um, our teammates still uh, supported him throughout his life right up until the time, he, the day he died. And and, I'll, and everybody, you know, he's, an, he's, he's a Wall of Honor recipient. Yeah. I don't know if you know that. Oh, yeah. uh, um, uh, he had just been just a tremendous inspiration to everyone who knew him. And for a long time, I am thankful to Coach Tapp because he was the, he never gave up on Kyle, never forgot him, uh, and, uh, and just did so much to help him in the state that he was in, you know, until the day he died. That just shows the bridge between football, and it's so much more than just in between the white lines. It really is about life and how you can continue with the lessons that you've learned no matter how long you've played it. That's right. Yeah, tremendous inspiration. Uh, the 79 season when he didn't play, and then the 80 season. That 70, the Peach Bowl win was sort of a springboard into 80, wasn't it? When you guys just came out and just mashed everybody, won the Southwest Conference by three full games, number one offense in the league, number one defense in the league, and played in the Cotton Bowl. What, what, a, what a great, great season. One of the best in Baylor football history. It, it was, and um, gosh, I mean, just – it means more to me now than it did probably then just because I realized what a special group of guys we had and what a special season we had the opportunity to experience, you know, for a long time, everybody knew about the 1974 team, the miracle on the Brazos football team led by uh, Neil Jeffrey and, and, uh, you know, Steve Beard, all those great players who were bigger than life uh, to me when I first got here to Baylor. Mention Ricky Thompson or he'll, and, we'll hear from him. <laughs> We'll and, hear from him. And Ricky Thompson. Yes, yes. The great wide receiver. Oh, that, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who went on to have a great career in the NFL. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, we, we'd heard about those guys. Uh, but, but you know, but you know, how, do you, how, do you, how do you repeat that, that type of uh, level of excellence, you know, that they, they experience? And I don't know. Um, we just got together. The things that happened with Kyle, I think, really made us come together as a team. And, and, and team closeness is, is, is really important. One of the things that I think, having gone through the 1978 season, while we had a lot of talent, the team just didn't, wasn't very close. But over the next couple of years, we began to cl be, a, be a closer unit. Um, and I can tell you, no, no matter whether you're coach or, or player, if you don't have team closeness, uh, you're probably not going to be very successful. It is those teams uh, that are close who can bond together that are teams that sometimes can overcome, overcome the, a lack of talent or overcome situations that, that put them in, in, in positions to lose the game. Closeness, knowing that I've got my brother's back and I know that my brother's got my back. Mm -hmm. um, those things make a difference in a football game or any, any athletic contest. And that's what happened to the 1980 team. We were close. A number of things that happened that drew us close together. And then we were able to go out and, and, put it all together on the football team, on the football field.
If you need a trailer, Flat Rock Trailers has got you covered. From light-duty single-axle utility trailers to the big text tandem duels. We also carry a full line of enclosed cargo trailers. Need a motorcycle trailer? We've got them. Need a dump trailer? We've got the largest selection in the state. Oil field trailers? We carry a full line of big text trailers to handle all your needs. Trailer repairs? We repair all makes and models. We'll even rent you a trailer if you need to use one for a day. Flat Rock Trailers, your number one source for all your trailer needs. Find us at flatrocktrailers.com. Relationships, community, home. Now more than ever, these are the things that we're holding fast to. Home should restore us from today and ready us for tomorrow. It's where stories are told and relationships are forged. Within those walls, memories are made, laughter is shared, and family is gathered around the table. For these reasons, we believe in home and that right now there is no better place to be. If you and your family are looking to buy or sell a home, head over to magnoliarealty.com. Magnolia is a proud sponsor of Baylor Athletics. To say my wife and I have a lot to clean is an understatement. So we go to TNG Chemical, where the pros know what cleaning solutions to use and give us detailed instructions on exactly how to use them. We never got that kind of advice from any other stores. And the prices at TNG are great, from general household cleaners to odor control solutions for our pets. We go to TNG Chemical and Supply. That's why. TNG Chemical and Supply. That's why. Walter Abercrombie is our guest, Baylor's uh, associate AD, head of the uh, Letterman's Association, uh, professional career after uh, after Baylor, uh, number one pick by the Steelers, and then finished with the Eagles, and then uh, and then back here, and uh, you uh, you worked with Coach Taff at the AFCA. You guys were reunited uh, working at the AFCA here in Waco. Yeah, it was it was um, it was quite an honor for me to work for Coach. I was afraid after I retired uh, from pro football, um, I was afraid to really to, to to work for him. And the reason why I was afraid to work for him, I was I, I was afraid I had this this idea that Coach Taft was bigger than life. I had I had held him in such high regard, and I knew that when you work with people and you get to know them, that you know sometimes you take some some of the shine comes off, you know. And I was afraid I didn't want that to happen. Mm. So I, I went ahead and accepted the job, uh, and I began working with him. And I can tell you, just over 10 years that I worked with him there, not only did I not feel that way, no, the shine never went off, I grew in admiration for him mm-hmm. because of the kind of person he is. And, I, and, I, and I, you know, being a player is one thing, is work with a coach, but then being a co-worker together um, is, is different. But he is 100% man, I mean, Everything that I thought about him was confirmed during those 10 years that I worked with him. He's just an outstanding leader, man, husband, dad, all those things that you heard about him. He is that. And I'm fortunate to have that time with him. Then to uh, Baylor in the athletic department, 2004, uh, back here to be head of the Letterman's Association, the B Association, the the job you still hold here. And uh, I, I remember saying and thinking at the time, and I still do more so today, that you're the perfect guy for that job. <laughs> I mean, you're so well connected with the Letterman. You have their respect. You're a football player, but you, you respect all the Letterman uh, and women, uh, letter winners in every sport. Uh, that job, uh, has it been as rewarding? to you as uh, you have been successful in that job if I had drawn up a job a perfect job in the world for me it would be this job I couldn't anticipate it being this way because uh, I, I just I didn't know what I was getting into but what as it turned out uh, I cannot 
imagine a better job because I get a chance to work with athletes and I get a chance to learn a lot about sports that I didn't know about. I learned the history of a lot of our letter winners from, from all different kinds of sports. One of the greatest jobs I have, John, is, is doing the research on our hall of fame inductees and, and writing up their bios and, and, um, and talking to them and hearing stories that you don't read in the paper mm-hmm. or, or, or hear on a podcast. I mean, this is, this is uh, just has been a great experience and, and uh, having to come back and work for the university again. Um, gosh, I, I'm thankful I had the opportunity to work with you on the radio broadcast. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. Um, Loved uh, it. And, and what a great learning opportunity. It was, you're talking about learning. Yeah. I learned from one of the greatest. Yeah. And so <laughs> you're learning that now, right? I am. And so, um, no, it's, it's been great. It's been wonderful. Uh, we've, we've been here 15 years and um, we've grown the organization. Uh, some of the things that I learned uh, from Coach Taff at the AFCA, I brought some of those things with me in my leadership style and some of the things that we do uh, with the, with the uh, B Association, and, and they have worked. And so we've grown the organization. We have more people engaged and involved. We've, we've, we've increased our programming. Uh, the donations began to come in. And so it's been really a fun 15 years. We've gone through amazing athletic accomplishments uh, during the year I was here. Who would ever think that Baylor would have a Heisman trophy? Win? Right. Right. So I got to experience that yeah. uh, during my time here and, and seeing Robert Griffin that great in those great years uh, we were winning in football and then to see the basketball program and the softball program and the track program and, and the track and soccer team and all, all the teams that are really great. I mean, it's been amazing, amazing experience for me being a former athlete. And getting to know these athletes, the younger players now, has been a real thrill. So you're right. Uh, I'm, I, I can't draw up a better person to have this position than me because I'm having so much fun. Before we started, you were talking about being in contact with all your former teammates and such. And now it's literally your job to not just do that for the guys that you played with and just on as a personal level, but to bring all of the athletes together from all the years and all the sports. So what, what is that like for you to get to be kind of a part of bringing that together and making sure that the Baylor family is truly always united? Well, it's a natural for me because I, I literally grew up five blocks from campus. So I feel like I know this place. I am Baylor. Baylor is me. And so um, when, when I, talk to our athletes and our athletes are uniquely invested into the university. They've given their blood, sweat and tears and, and they have a special bond uh, with, with the university. And so what I've been able to do is tap into that. And in many cases, we've been able to sustain, sustain their connection and their bond with the university. And that's what I see my job is doing is, is making sure that those uniquely invested individuals who gave so much as athletes that they never feel like they're disconnected from the university. And so that's my job and I have a heck of a time doing it. What's the, uh, you've got your finger on the pulse of letter winners, you know, those that have come before us here at Baylor, uh, with the success that Baylor athletics is having right now, you know, this period that we're in, uh, some would say the golden era of Baylor athletics right now. What's, what's, what's the read you get from former letter winners now being able to sit back and enjoy this as Baylor alum? Well, the, the read I get is, is a great sense of pride. 
is a great sense of pride. Now, I never will forget this story, John. This is, this is kind of drives it home for me. Um, in 19, in 2005, I believe, um, I think is when in Kim Mulkey won the first national championship. Right. And I, I remember that was, I came in 2004. So I got a chance to see her do that. And, uh, you know, and that was wonderful experience. And so my son, my second son was, was a little boy and, uh, I was, I was so excited. Something positive was happening. We just won a national championship. So I started to take him around to all of our practices and he would have come with me and we'd go to the men's basketball practice. We'd go to women's basketball practice. And he was, he was aware that the lady bears had just won this national championship, all the press that they'd gotten mm-hmm. and so forth. And I'd take him over to football. And of course, football wasn't as successful at that time, you know, and we were still struggling a little bit. And so after taking him to around to these different sports and letting him see, I said, son, what do you, what do you think you want to be when you grow up? You know, you want to, of course, as a football player, you asked your son that, you know, I, you know, he's going to be a linebacker. Yeah. Dad, I want to be, you know, I want to be a wide receiver. He said to me with a straight face, he says, dad, I want to be a lady bear. <laughs> he fell in love with women's basketball and winning does that. Right. So, so he, and he, <laughs> so I tell that story just to demonstrate that when you win, you get a lot of folks paying attention to you and folks want to come back and be a part of the program. So, what we've seen over the last uh, several years, uh, the golden years of, of, of Baylor athletics, is we've seen a resurgence of alumni that come back to want to be a part of what we're doing. We've gone through problems. We've had all kinds of things to, to disconnect folks. But there's something special about this university. And when people start winning and you get that Baylor spirit again, our alumni, our, our lettermen, they're standing in line to come back. And I want to be a part. And I want to help keep this thing going it's fun to see it really is and you and tammy and lauren do a great job in the in the bee association part of what you do is um, uh, you head up a a group a committee that elects members to the baylor athletic hall of fame and wall of honor each year we've just had the announcement recently of the 2020 class and it's another great class and we talk about all the success of baylor athletics well, 10 years after graduation, after they leave, you know, folks would be eligible for this. You've had some tough calls <laughs> to not not used to be to find folks that are qualified to go in the Hall of Fame. Now it's having to choose from many qualified candidates because of the golden era of Baylor athletics. We all of these athletes that have, have come to university now, they're becoming eligible uh, for the Hall of Fame. You have to be out 10 years. And so, as you said, it's tough now because we have so many eligible folks and, um, you know, people will sometimes want, you know, there's great pride in being a first, you know, first ballot person, you know, for your first year mm-hmm. eligible boy, you expect to go in. Well, I mean, we, you know, if, if we've got 30 all Americans, I mean, <laughs> right. we, we can only select uh, eight. So it's a good problem to have. Yeah, that's true. a good problem. It's a to good have. problem to have. Uh, but you know, and so sometimes, you know, you have to, you have to take it, you know, some folks will, will get angry about it. You know, they, they expect it to go in or, but, but listen, I, t- I tell them all the time, look, man, just hang in there. Your time's going to come. We're going to get to you. Just hang in there. And, and it does, it, it does things work out. You know, what I've learned over the last, uh, probably seven years, John, is I have to believe in the process of selection. We have a process in place. It didn't always, it didn't always go like you think it's going to go. 
and there are people who are expecting to go in, but the process has worked for the last, I don't know, you know, 40, 50 years. And so because of that process that's in place, you got to believe in it. It, It's always right. You know, it isn't always what you think it's going to be, but it does work really well. And so I believe in the process. And then those times when, when it doesn't go uh, like some people want it to go, we just lean on the fact that we have a process and the process has always worked. Relationships, community, home. Now more than ever, these are the things that we're holding fast to. Home should restore us from today and ready us for tomorrow. It's where stories are told and relationships are forged. Within those walls, memories are made, laughter is shared, and family is gathered around the table. For these reasons, we believe in home and that right now there is no better place to be. If you and your family are looking to buy or sell a home, head over to magnoliarealty.com. Magnolia is a proud sponsor of Baylor Athletics. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa drap, son, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. You're listening to the Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. Here again are Brooke Bednarz and John Morris. This year, uh, eight inductees to the Hall of Fame, one for the Wall of Honor. Dr. Michael Addis uh, on the Wall of Honor explained to everyone the distinction of or, or the difference between the Hall of Fame and the Wall of Honor. Yeah, the Hall of Fame uh, is really what you've done as an athlete at Baylor. It's your accomplishments as a student athlete whether it be uh, rankings in, in the conference or national rankings or whether you're all-conference player or runner, uh, all-American, it has to do with your athletics. What the Wall of Honor is, is a lifetime achievement award. It's what you've done as a Baylor graduate. And after graduation, what type of person have you been? What type of business accomplishments have you had what has been your contribution back to the to the world? And so we have felt that there was a <clears throat> there was a place that Baylor graduates, former athletes, have fit nicely in terms of their contributions back to Baylor, contributions back to our society. And for the last uh, 15 years I've been involved with this, we have selected some outstanding representatives to fit that bill. Well, I think that's important because – there's so many times that we try to remind it's so easy for the public when never watching sporting events to think about the athletes as just athletes and to remember just the stats, but there's so much more. They truly are. They're student athletes. And then they go on to be husbands and wives and parents and, you know, cardiologists and make, and making a difference. And so I think that's really neat that you guys take the time to recognize that because student athletes are so much more than just the athlete and the sport that they play. I totally agree with you, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that we got around to Dr. Addis because when you look at his profile, um, what a special man, what a special individual, and what he's done. You really don't even know, and, and, and you can read his bio, but the bio doesn't tell everything. It doesn't tell about the lives that he saved, you know, people who are able to continue their, their livelihood, you know, because of the work that he's done. And then to turn around and go from a cardiologist to... Uh, to the field of ministry and then have another type of 
way to impact folks' lives in terms of their, um, their, their, you know, their belief in their faith in God. And so he's an interesting man. Um, apparently a pretty good fly fisherman, <laughs> which is, I'm kind of an outdoors guy. So I, that was impressive to me. You know, you got the right brain, left brain thing going. And, he's got <laughs> a, and, uh, and so he, uh, I think he's authored a book on fly fishing, I believe, uh, or co-authored one. And so what an amazing person. And we're so thankful that, um, he's still with us and uh, he's retired now. So he has a little bit more time. And so he was able to, to accept this award. And uh, I would just say congratulations to him. Great, great person. If you haven't had a chance to meet him. It's a great class. It really is this year. We look forward to the hall of fame induction banquet, which is, I guess a little bit on hold now. We hope to hold that in September, but we'll just have to wait and see, you know, if we're able to do that or if we have to push it later. Yeah, because of the pandemic and all, there's so much uncertainty right now. We did have it scheduled for September the 18th, um, but uh, that's that's. I don't think that's going to happen. We haven't given up the date, but it's just a real good chance we're probably not going to have this. So what I've been telling the inductees is that until we have a little bit clearer future, uh, idea what our future is going to look like, then uh, we, we really, you know, plans are just pending, you know, and so... Once we get an idea of what the future is going to look like, uh, we'll we'll pick a date and we'll try to, even if we have to push it back to the spring of 2021, uh, we'll we'll get it in. It's just that you know we just don't know what, what that, when that's going to happen. Why was it important for you to still publish it when you do, despite of knowing? Because a lot of people could have looked at that and said, oh well, we don't know when we're going to be able to celebrate them, so we'll kind of hold off and wait. But you provided a little bit of sports for us in through all this. And so I know I was excited to read about it. Yeah. Um, well, th- because if you don't go forward with it, then, um, then you're looking at picking, you know, 12 people next year or 16 people next year. And that's, th- that creates some problems in and of itself. And so we felt like we needed to go forward with this year, get them in. We'll find a way to honor them uh, appropriately when, when the time, when the right time comes, because, um, Next year is going to come around and those same individuals that were on me about, Hey man, they're going to be back again. And so we look forward to, uh, to, to getting that done, but we're going to go forward with what we have. And these people are deserving to go in this year. So, uh, and it's good to have just some good challenge out there. We're going to get this done. How are we going to get it done? You know, mm-hmm. it's good to have that challenge out there because it keeps us on our toes. So we look forward to doing it and we'll do it. If, for example, if we, we get everybody back, we'll, if we can have it in November, We'll have it in November. And um, and so that's what we're going to be working towards. But we just can't say right now for yeah. sure. We appreciate all the time that you've spent with us today. I know that we're all looking forward to the fall and hopefully that we get to have that celebration and that ceremony. Um, I know some of our athletes are coming back soon. So all good things, bright light at the end of the tunnel. But as we look toward the future and look toward the fall, when everything kind of returns, um, you have a unique perspective working with the letter winners, having been a Baylor athlete yourself. Um, what are you looking forward to most when all of our sports return? When all the sports return, um, I look forward to, man, I look forward to going to the games. I look forward to, uh, sitting in the stands at the basketball games and late in the fall. And I look forward to the football, the young football players getting the opportunity to play. You know, some of these freshmen, they, they're their whole life. You know, they dream to come and play a sport. And so I get I get a chance to see those young players develop and grow. So they'll be taking, uh, coming here, uh, beginning their careers. Uh, so I, I, I really enjoy seeing that. 
seeing maybe because of what happened to me as a freshman and how I developed that I pay attention to those young freshmen who get on the field. And so I'm excited for them. And, and I'm also excited about just being around uh, uh, you guys and, and being back together. You know, I miss you. You know, I've been, uh, I've been home for a while and every now and then I might see John on TV or something, you know, but, but I just miss being around my coworkers. I mean, this is, uh, is essentially my second family. And so, um, while I'm enjoying the time with my first family and there's some benefits in that, I'm also uh, missing my second family. And so I look forward to that coming back, seeing the faces and, and, and working together to help make Baylor the very best athletic program it could be. It's a good place to end right there. Walter, we appreciate you and everything you uh, have done and continue to do for Baylor University and Baylor Athletics. Best to you and Kim and your wonderful family, and uh, we appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. It's great to be here, and uh, thank you for having me on today. Walter Abercrombie, one of Baylor's all-time greats with us today on the Sikkim Podcast. Remind you to uh, subscribe to the Sikkim Podcast. You can download it uh, uh, via Apple, via uh, Spotify, wherever you consume your podcast, and check it out, and we will have another Sikkim Podcast next week. For Brooke Bednarz and Walter Abercrombie, I'm John Morris. Thanks for joining us. Be safe. That's this week's Sikkim Podcast. You've been listening to the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco, online at alansamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast has been a production of Baylor Athletics.